All right, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good? Good. It feels so great to be back um, up here. Um, I love uh, the time of sabbatical, and I thank you so much for this church allowing me to take some time um, off and just re-clear my head and re-clear my thoughts. It's so good to see uh, some of you here and a lot of people online as well. And um, good spacing in here. We want to keep up with good spacing in this place. It's, it's doing a good job, everybody. Doing really good. Um, <laughs> holla at your boy. Um, starting a new series today. I'm super pumped, excited about it. I was so um, I'm so blessed that um, um, Stephanie, my wife, was able to take on um, uh, three weeks of teaching the prophetic um, and just teaching on those things. She, te- she taught, took on Wednesdays and she also took on Sundays. So we switched roles a little bit. So I have a new appreciation uh, to staying home with the kids. Um, I thought pastoring was hard. Being with the kids sometimes can be harder, but it, um, it was a blessing to kind of switch roles and be with the kids, and so thank you, for Steph, for that, and, and uh, Pastor uh, Jordan gave a great word uh, last week, and uh, just mom came and blessed us as well, um, it was always just a really good time, um, and it's got a lot of time in pr- uh, prayer and just and, and hearing from the Lord, so we want to start this new series called Unexpected, Unexpected, The Lessons from the Detours. The lessons from the detours. And you think about unexpected. Man, we've been in some unexpected times. Am I right? No one had this plan on their calendar. Any business that had this plan on their calendar, I want to know that business, and I want to follow them to the rest of my days. That's where I want to work. That's where I want to work. But nobody had this on their calendar. Everything was unexpected. Have you ever seen those? Uh, you probably know those uh, shows and those movies that had unexpected things happen on a family vacation. There's the movie Family Vacation. Everybody seen that? Family Vacation? Oh, yeah. And then there's another one, I think, with Ice Cube in it, and I think it's Are We There Yet? Anybody seen Are We There and, and right there, and unexpected things happen along this journey. And, and the worst time that unexpected things happen is the, when you have a trip planned out. And you're in your car, your family vacation, or you're, or you're hanging out, and you finally get your map and everything else. Well, we don't have maps anymore, but you get your GPS set and everything else is set, and you have exactly where you're going to start and when you're going to stop, and you actually have the time of when you're going to be there. And you actually get up early sometimes, so you make sure you can make it there early and you can be there on time to wherever your trip's at. Even now, when our phones tell us we're going to exactly what time we're going to be there. I try to beat that time every day in my life. I'm trying to break that habit. It's not a good one. But, but whatever the time says, I try to cut it down. Anybody else try to cut it down? Yeah, you, you do. You do. You do. And, and what happens is that you got this trip all planned out, and all of a sudden you see the worst sign that it could ever show road. It is the absolutely worst sign that anyone could see. And it's big, it's ugly, it's orange, it's like not even a triangle. I don't even know what shape that is anymore. Do you know? Yeah, I didn't think you knew either. <laughs> and it's that big sign. It says detour route. Oh, how frustrating. Detour. You already have your trip planned out, and it says detour to go this way. I got to tell you, me and uh, Stephanie, I believe we're on our way to Sterling, Kansas one time. I don't know why we went out there. I think it was for a speaking engagement or something like that. We're traveling to Sterling, Kansas, and um, Sterling's out in the middle of nowhere. They only have one stop sign. Um, Anyway, we're headed that way, and we're driving down the road, and, you know, we're talking. I think it's in one of those times where, you know, sometimes 
just you have disagreements. So we're just on a trip and uh, entertaining each other, trying not to dive into the disagreements. Anyone ever been there where they just want to just try to get surface level and stuff? And we're just having just doing well, and we're just good at high, and she's good at high. She's on her phone, and I'm jamming to my music, and we're good. We're good. All of a sudden, I see that big, ugly orange sign that says detour. Oh, it messed my whole trip up. It messed my, I had to go down this whole route that I had nothing about. And neither, not, even more and worse than that, it was an hour trip, but this detour had took us on like a two-hour delay. A two-hour delay. Now, gentlemen, let me tell you, sitting with your wife when there's already something unsettled, if you got two hours and nothing to do, it's about to go down. <laughs> It's about, and that's exactly what happened. A two-hour day. I just wanted to get from A to B as fast as possible. Here comes a detour. Two-hour delay. I look at her. She's looking at me. I'm looking at her. So we're not going to talk about this. She's looking at me. Oh, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> so how about those cowboys? How we <laughs> Any conversation. Here's what ends up happening. The detour route, slower, slower. There's more cars. There's a big line. And then all of a sudden, she says, babe, you want to talk? My heart said no, but my head said yes, because I've been married for a while, and it's a good just to shake your head yes, yes. Anyway, we had this whole deep conversation of the soul. I mean, we're talking deep, deep. Um, and uh, praise God for two hours to really dive into that deep conversation. But what took place was um, some healing came out of it. Some healing came out of it. Man, it was a hard conversation with some hard work, um, but some healing came out of it. And, and even though that the detour was the worst thing, it probably was the best thing for us in that relationship in that moment. Because we end up when we're getting to our point, our destination of Sterling, and we were better off than when we started. Can you relate to that? Man, you were better off than we started. I was so frustrated and so angry with a, de- with a detour. But when I got to my destination, we, are, we were better off from when we started. So I have, I have learned in life that it's not always about the destination, but it's more about the journey. Amen? But here's the problem. We are so consumed with reaching the destination that we overlook the lesson of the journey. We are so consumed with reaching the destination that we overlook the lessons of the journey. And I got to tell you that if we continue to move that way and we overlook, overlook the lessons, man, our detour is going to last a long time. We'll take a 40-day detour in 40 years. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for who you are. God, you're a good, good Father, God, and we just worship you. We thank you, Lord. You're worthy of the praise. God, I just pray that you would hide me behind a cross as we speak today. And God, I pray that your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord, as we open our hearts to unexpected things taking place. But God, that we wouldn't be so focused on the unexpected, but we'll be focused on what God is trying to show us in the midst of the journey. Lord, we love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. So we want to go to Exodus um, 13 and 17. You want to go to Exodus 13 and 17. 
And here you guys pretty much know the story of, of, of Moses and the Israelites and the Egyptians. And, and this is a story that we have that over time after Joseph was um, Pharaoh's right-hand man, Right-hand man, Hamilton. Anyway, to me, Ham. After overtime, sorry, squirrel. Uh, after for overtime, Pharaoh was his right-hand man. Um, uh, over years, over years, the Hebrews grew more and more and more. And the Egyptians saw how many Hebrews there were, and they ended up putting them in, into slavery. And they ended up using them and 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 um, scrutinize them for over 430 years. And then the scripture says that God heard their cry. Right? That God who's in the midst of prayer, God, um, uh, Adonai, heard their pry, cry. He, he was in the midst of prayer, and he sent them a deliverer. And who was the deliverer? Moses, that's right. Moses was deliverer. And here's the funny thing about Moses. Moses was born a Hebrew, but also grew up as an Egyptian. So he could know, he could know and be that bridge between both grounds. And, and he could speak to the Egyptians, and he could speak the language, and he culture of the Egyptians, but also he had the heritage of the uh, Jews, of the Hebrews. And here's what we have, that God begins to take them and set them free. And you know that he over, over signs and wonders, God shows his mighty hand to Pharaoh, and he breaks his stern heart and breaks the pride, and he eventually allows Pharaoh to let the people go because all the breaking that God did through the signs and wonders. Now, here's the funny thing about the signs and wonders. We think that those signs and wonders that God did were just for no reason. Actually, God, what he was doing is that each and every sign, signs and wonder that he uh, performed was actually against one of the Egyptian gods. So when he was performing those signs, it was basically saying that when he turned the water into uh, blood, it was basically saying that, no, that I am the God of the water. I am the God of the frogs. I am the God of the locusts. I am the God. I mean, I am. That is who I am. I am. And that's what God was showing to uh, the Egyptians, that all these other little gods they worship are nothing compared to the great I am. And so he takes the great I am, and from there, the Pharaoh gets a heart, and he releases them after the last act, which was the last act, which was the firstborn son um, 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 would pass away through the angel of death. And in anyone, you know the story that did not have the blood of the lamb on the door, their son would pass away. And, and, the, and the scripture says that throughout the night, they, they stayed awake and with anticipation. Throughout the night, they could hear the cries of the Egyptians because their firstborns were being passed through the angel of death. And through that, Pharaoh said, get out of my sight. Get out of my sight. Send these Hebrews off. Let them go to the wilderness. And let them go worship my God. But here's what Pharaoh said at the end. He said, let them go worship my God, but also I pray, will you bless me, Moses, before you leave? Will you bless me? I now recognize that your God is the God of gods and kings of kings and the lords of lords. Will you bless me? Will you bless me? So the, the Hebrews get set free, and God told them to ask everyone for jewelry, jewelry, silver, gold, clothing. And all of a sudden, they got clothing, they got equipment, and they got everything they need for the journey. And God sends them on the journey to the promised land. And he sends them on the promised land. Now, after reading this book, here they are starting Egypt, and God sets them to the promised land. After reading this book, after reading this and just looking over, I got a, I got a feeling that God was not too concerned about them reaching their destination. If he was concerned about them reaching their destination, he would have got them there a lot quicker. 
But what I learned from this book is that God is more concerned about the people's hearts than he is about them reaching their destination. And I think that's true with life. That we all have this purpose and we all have this calling that we all want to reach to. and We all want to get to our purpose and calling. But you know what? I think God cares less about your purpose and cares more about your integrity. More about your heart. And God is willing <laughs> to take as much time as you need to get you right because of his love. And he's patient. Isn't that good? God is patient with us. That he is so willing to send us detours in life. And that's what he does in the scripture. Let's read verse 17. Here's what it says. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines. Although that was near. Although that was closer. Although that was shorter route. He didn't lead them down that way. For God said, Least the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. They wasn't ready. <laughs> but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness. Say way of the wilderness. Ooh, that does not sound fun. He led him around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of, of Egypt equipped for battle. So let's break this down. Verse 17. So Pharaoh let the people go, by, but God did not lead them by the land of the Philistine. All that, well, that was closer. So Hebrews have been set free, and they're expecting to go the shorter route to the promised land. To Canaan. They're expecting to go straight through the Philistines. They've been in that land for over 400 years. They know the land. They know which way to go. They know what's going to be closer. They know where the promised land is, and they know how to get there. But God did not lead them through the shorter route. Man, this is unexpected. They're walking on a journey, and then all of a sudden something unexpected happens. They see the big orange of detour sign that says, no, we're not going to go to the We're going to go way of the way of the wilderness. How frustrating that must be. That must be. That must be. Man, if you know the direction towards something and you know the shortest route, how many of you guys want to take the shortest route to get there? Me. That's me. And you know that all of a sudden, man of God is saying, we're not going to go this way. We're going to go around the corner, around the detour route. And that's which way we're going to head out and go. Can you imagine trying the detour route uh, of life and just being so frustrated and so concerned that you have to go the roundabout way? And not only the roundabout way, you're going to a place where there's less supplies. You're going to a desert place, meaning there's nothing there for you, meaning everything that you need is not going to work out for you, meaning everything that's going to be desert place for you. There's no supply. There's no nothing. And so this is unexpected to them. Why in the world do we have to go to the detour route? But here's what God says in the next verse. For God said, at least the people change their minds when they see war, they will return back to Egypt. God said, if I send the people on the fastest route, they will not make it the journey. They will change their minds 
and go back to Egypt. Go back to bondage. They will go back to where they once thought. They'll go back to the easy route. They'll go back to suffering. They'll go back to the pain. Have you ever seen someone break off from a relationship and all of a sudden they're free? A relationship that was toxic and and just nasty. And all of a sudden they finally get free. But as they begin along the journey, it gets a little hard. It gets a tough. Why? Because it's unknown. So what do they do? Instead of embracing the unknown, they go back to the toxic environment. They go back to Egypt. God says, If we go to the way of the Philistines, I know what's going to happen. God says, I know what's going to happen. You're going to face war, but you're not ready. You're not ready. You might be free, but you're not ready. You might receive salvation. You might receive salvation. But I tell you what, if I give you from salvation to destination, guess what? And there's nothing in between, you're you're not going to be ready for it. So God says, although I've saved you, Now I need to take you along the way of the wilderness so you can learn some lessons that will prepare you for your destination. So God sends them on a 40-day journey. Now, here's the thing about the detour. We get stubborn. We get frustrated because what? What What do we know about the detours? We know there's another route that's faster. So we get frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. So the detour was only supposed to take 40 days. But I'm so angry that I'm on the stupid detour. I can't believe I'm on the detour that you miss all the lessons. And the next thing you know, you're going around the mountain instead of be 40 days. And next thing you know, you're in the detour for 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Because they didn't recognize the blessing of the detours. Because they had the wrong view of the detours. They had the wrong view point of what the detour was. So here's the problem. We are so consumed with reaching the destination that we overlook the lessons slash preparations in the, de- in the journey. We are so consumed with it. I mean, how many of you guys have read purpose-driven books, purpose life books? I got to know my purpose. I got to know my calling. I got to know, I got to know this. We study books about it. I got I to gotta know all this about who God's called me to and we got to know every single thing. We got to know every single thing that we overlook. We overlook the lessons in between. We want the promised land, but we don't want to take time to learn how to sustain it. If we continue to put our, our focus on, on finding our purpose instead of preparing our bodies, our hearts and minds and souls to handle the purpose when it comes, we put so much focus. How are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? When are we get there? But what are we doing in the in-between? How are, we, how are we preparing our hearts, our minds, our bodies and souls to be able to sustain it when we get there? When we, when we get to where God wants us, it all falls apart And we go back to what we've been delivered from. Why? Because God, we haven't gave us detours and we haven't learned how to take it for what it is and allow it to prepare us for the destination. What is a detour? Detour is this. A detour is a long roundabout way. Oh, that just sounds terrible. A long roundabout route that is taken to avoid something or to visit somewhere along the way. A detour is something that is out of our control. 
it takes us off our, our original route, but it's out of our control. It's out of our control. A detour is not something that we can control. A detour is heading the right direction, but God leads me on a longer routine route, but still headed towards my destination. Now, what happens is when I talk to people a lot of time, you know, yeah, I'm just, hey, how are you doing? How are you and your God? Yeah, I'm just taking a break right now from God. I'm just taking a little detour. You just take a little detour. God's over there, but I'm just going to go my way just a little bit. That is not a detour. <laughs> that is called disobedience. There's a difference between a detour and disobedience. If you're not wanting to hear God's instructions and follow his lead, it's scripture says that they, he gave them fire by uh, night and cloud by day, that they follow the cloud and they fire, follow the fire. If you don't want to follow the cloud and follow the fire, that's not a detour. That's called disobedience. A detour is when you're headed the right direction towards your destination, but God does something unexpected that alters the route. That alters the route. That alters every route that you can take. Man, what could be detour? All of a sudden, I'm doing great in my job, and all of a sudden, I lose it just like that. What? What happened, God? I was performing on a high level. What, what just happened? Uh, something unexpected just took place. Man, all of a sudden, man, you're, you're, you're living this one way, and you're living uh, a certain way, and then all of a sudden, God speaks something to you, and he's like, no, you got to go the other way. you got to turn the other way. Even though it doesn't make sense on paper, even though it doesn't make sense in the math, even though it doesn't make sense, you feel this calling from God, and it's totally unexpected. But you know if you do this thing that's unexpected, it's going to totally rock your world. Man, God's calling me from a hierarchy church to, to one that's real. I mean, I mean, all these different things. Something unexpected takes place. That's a detour. God, I, here's our prayer. God, I want to be more like you. Uh, God, God, I, I, I want to get closer to you. I, I want to be more like you. I want to be more closer to you, God. And what God says, great. I'm so glad you want to be more like me. I'm so glad you want to get closer to me. The only way it's going to happen is if I send you a detour because if you go on the straight path that you're going, it's never going to happen. So something unexpected happens, and God sends a detour, and the purpose of the detour is to shake off everything that does not belong to him. To shake off everything that does not belong to him. Detours in life are always, always about you. Always about you. Sometimes you can be on a detour, and you're going on a detour for someone else, but God is trying to show you something in the midst of of the altar route. Detours are always about you. Detours are, are, are for your protection. And it strengthens you. And it develops you. We're always looking for the fastest route. The fastest route will get you to your destination quicker. But oftentimes, we are not ready for the destination once we get it. We have to learn how to be content with what God has us for us in the moment. I love what scripture says, now faith, meaning present faith, being right here in this moment, even though I'm in a, in a moment where I don't understand, I still have now faith right where my feet are, in the present moment, in the present moment. So we can't be so consumed with the destination that we overlook the lessons. Here's what we got to do. Here's the solution to the detour. Here's what it is. I think here's, if we can learn to put our minds about on this, I think we can, do, we can do something. If we can learn to embrace the detours. What is embrace? Embrace. Confront. Meet it face to face. 
Don't hide away from it. Don't, don't shy from it. Don't go lock yourself in a cave for 40 years and then try to deal with it. Embrace the detours. Recognize the lesson and carry the lesson, lesson to your destination. If you can embrace, recognize, and carry it, I mean, you, you can begin to thrive in the midst of the detour. If you, can, if you can embrace it, if you can recognize it, and carry the lesson with you everywhere you go, I mean, you can really begin to do something. One thing I had to carry before I became a pastor, I had to learn in ministry, I had to learn, man, if you lead, you bleed. <laughs> That, the only way I could learn that is through a detour in my life. If you lead, you bleed. If I, when God called me, if I would have got called and went straight into ministry and straight to being pastor, I would have not, my, my skin is too soft. I don't have thick skin. God had to develop that thick skin to, for me to be able to be a leader. I was too soft and too worried about everything that people had to say about me. Oh, Cam, you did this. Really? I did this? How can I make that right for you? Oh, I don't like this. Oh, you don't like this? How can I change the whole world for you? Oh, you don't like that song? Okay, how can we sing a better song? And all of a sudden, I become a puppet in your world of your opinions and your thoughts, and you're moving me around everywhere you want to be. What about God? I had to learn if you're going to lead, you're going to bleed. That means sometimes you're thinking everything's going right and you're hearing God and someone's going to be upset with you. I had to learn if you're going to, to stand out, everybody's not going to be happy with you. And I had to learn to have some thick skin. That lesson could only come through the detours. And let me tell you, it was probably a longer lesson than what it should have been. But I had to learn. Got to learn, got to learn, got to learn. I had to learn. I had to learn. I had to learn. And so did, they, so did the Hebrews. And, and here's the scripture. What they, where did they have to go? Where did God send them? Verse 18 says, But God led the people around the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Right, let's deal with that last part, and we'll come back to the way of the wilderness. But that last part says, Although they were equipped, with, for, equipped for battle, they were not ready for battle. You see that? They, the scripture says they had everything they needed for battle. What does that mean? They had all the weapons. They had all the swords. They had everything they needed, but they didn't know how to use it. They had all the tools, but they didn't know how to properly use it. We have all the scriptures, but do we know how to use them? It's one thing to quote a scripture. It's another thing to live it out. It's one, one thing to talk about faith. It's a whole other thing to live by faith. It's one thing to talk about this thing and to be able to have this at your disposal, but do you know how to use it? And what happens, what happens when you need to be led by the Spirit and led by the voice of God? Do you know His voice? Do you know His voice? God gives us the wilderness so He can teach us His voice. He gives us wilderness so we can take a moment to learn how to use the things He has. The, the Israelites had all quit. They had all the equipment ready for battle. But God said, if I send them to battle, they're going to get wiped out and they're going to go right back to Egypt. God says, they need a detour. They need a detour in their lives. They needed an altar route to give them more time to prepare for the destination. Isn't that a loving God? He won't send you in there too quickly. Now, if you want to go and you, you, you want to buy, bypass that, he'll let you go. But you know what? It's his heart for you to be prepared for the destination. 
That's his heart. That's his heart. Now, the way of the wilderness. God sends them on the way of the wilderness. It's an unexpected detour. Verse 18, they needed to go by the way of the wilderness. The way of the wilderness. What is the wilderness? A desert area, a desert land. Man, as the scripture lines up, here's how the scripture up. Here's how Christ says this. If you lose, if you find your life, if you lose your life, for my name's sake, you find it. If you find your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life for my name's sake, you find it. What's that mean? Man, when you finally grab a hold of your destination, but if you haven't gone through the way of the wilderness, I guarantee you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. But if you get lost for my name's sake, if you're willing to embrace the wilderness, for my name's sake, he says, I guarantee you're going to find your life. And here's some lessons that can come through the wilderness, the way of the wilderness. Here's some lessons that can come through the detour. Here's one lesson. Man, the purpose, you get to learn the purpose of delay. The purpose of delay. Another lesson we get from the detour or the wilderness is you know you get to learn that your wilderness is your training ground. And the other thing that the wilderness does for us, the way of the wilderness does for us, it allows us to find our identity. We get to find out who we truly are when we learn to embrace the detours, recognize the lesson, and carry it to your destination. Let's talk about this. We have to learn to embrace delay. <laughs> that didn't sound fun, did it? Embrace delay. It's a divine delay, but it's not denial. It's a delay, but it does not mean it's denial. Like, God, you gave me a purpose. Why am I not there yet? You know, your per- you may have your purpose, but can you handle the pressure when you walk into it? God says, I need to give you a delay to develop that. You might have the purpose, but do you have the perseverance to sustain it? God says, I'm going to give you the wilderness to develop that. Man, God, I got all the giftings in the world. God, why am I not there yet? I, I feel like my gift is developed. He says, your gift may be developed, but your heart is ugly. And God says, I need to give you a detour to work on your heart. Work on your heart. Work on your heart. Detours are often for your protection. For your protection. For your protection. Sometimes what happens, the worst thing that can happen is for our gift to carry us to our destination before we're truly ready. And you see it often. You see it often that a lot of times we get in situations and get in, and get in places that we shouldn't be that our gift carried us to, but yet our heart wasn't ready and our integrity wasn't ready and we weren't fully developed on the inside yet. But although the gift comes, the scripture says like this, the gifts of God are without repentance. The gifts of God are without repentance. I mean, God giving you a gift, that gift is strong on you. But that doesn't come when you're repentant, whether you're saved or not saved. That gift is on you no matter what because God gave you the gift and you can use it freely. But that doesn't mean your salvation. Sometimes we get so many hyped and so many ministers because of their giftings and we follow their giftings, but we don't even know their character. We don't even know who they are and we don't even know their integrity. And all of a sudden something falls off where we're looking at the gift and a, and a minister falls off and all of a sudden, what? I didn't know they were involved in all that. I didn't know involved in all that because sometime along the way, they did not embrace the wilderness. Look at David. Look at King David. He was anointed king at 12. Anointed king. 
Man, you tell me what, if I get anointed king, anointed president today, I'm walking up in there right now. If you anoint me right now, I'm, I'm walking up in there. Anointed king at 12. But took several years to walk into it. Actually, along the journey, God took him to the wilderness of the cave <laughs> where he was actually being sought, killed, or King Saul was trying to kill him. And he had to go in the cave. And through the cave, guess what happened while he was in the cave? He wrote all these beautiful psalms about his experience. And there's so many lessons that he learned about God while he's on the run through the cave. One of our favorite scriptures, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Where did he learn that? Through the wilderness. He learned that the Lord is my shepherd through the wilderness. He learned that I shall not want through the wilderness. There's only certain things that you're going to learn by going the way of unfamiliar territory. And what do you mean? Sometimes you're going to have to leave everything you know and get isolated with you and God just to walk that out. Man, sometimes you got to lay down some stuff. Sometimes you got to do the work of the soul and cultivate your soul, right? Sometimes you got to begin to do that work. And God wants to give you a spot where you can go. That's God's heart. That's God's heart. But here's the thing. If you do not have your eyes open to recognize the lessons in the wilderness, you'll be there, you'll be there for 40 years. If you don't have your eyes open, because the wilderness is our training ground. I mean, a couple things the wilderness does. It develops, it protects, it prepares. I mean, the wilderness is our training ground. I believe the wilderness provides us all these different aspects. Here's what it provides. Here's what, a couple things. You cannot have development. You can't develop without hard work. The wilderness provides. Wilderness will teach you how to work hard. It will teach you that. You cannot have protection without trusting your safe covering. The wilderness is going to teach you how to trust God. You are going to learn to trust God. Let me tell you, you're going to learn how to trust God. The last thing, you cannot have preparation without pruning. Pruning is a byproduct of preparation. You want to be prepared for where God has you? You're going to have to be pruned. You're going to have to be pruned. The detours in our lives have a way of pruning us. What is a prune? Man, I tell you what, the wilderness will prune your issues. Your issues. We all got some issues. Then the wilderness has a way of pruning. What does pruning do? Pruning means, Jesus explains it as this. Man, if you're in the vine, he says he cuts off back some branches that don't belong to you. Why? Why, do we cut, why does he cut it off? He cuts it off so that it can have a fresh start and so that it can grow even better than what it was. So we cry, cut off the dead branches because they're not producing any fruit. So he cuts it back so something new can grow there. So God wants to prune, prune your issues. You know your issues that you only you and issue you, you have. God also wants to prune something else. It's going to be a tough prune some individuals out of your life. He wants to cut out some individuals out of your life, some individuals that might be leading you in the wrong path, some individuals that every time you get around, man, your brain just begins, you can't think straight, you can't distinguish between what God is saying and what my friend's saying, I'm easily influenced, and man, if I just keep hanging around, keep hanging around, I'm going to end up going that direction Proverbs talked about, and you know what, sometimes he wants to cut out different relationships in our life that are toxic for us. Why? So something new can grow there. 
Something new can grow there. Uh, another thing he wants to prune, here's another tough one. God wants to prune our attitudes. What? <laughs> Not my attitude, y'all attitude. He wants to prune y'all. No. <laughs> God wants to prune your attitudes. God wants to prune your attitudes. And he wants to cut that off, those deep, nasty things. I mean, that's what he was doing with the Israelites in the wilderness. All throughout their journey, they had to do some pruning. They had to do some pruning. And here's the thing. You have to carry your lesson to the destination. The purpose or the outcome of every detour is a lesson learned. Can you relate with that? Man, you've been through some stuff that you had to learn, some tough lessons. Man, I, I learned that lesson. Every lesson learned will point to who you are and who you are not. Every lesson learned will point you to who you are and who you are not. Every lesson learned is not only for right then, but it's also for your destination. It's also for where you will begin to walk, what God's calling you. Those lessons learned will begin to carry you. And here's how it carries us. We overcome by the word of our what? Testimony, right? Man, those lessons learned, those testimonies that we learn, man, we get to where God wants us to be when we meet with someone else. And God always brings somebody else to our life who actually goes to same thing and through the similar same situation that you need to be able to minister through. And guess what? If you dealt with your issues and you dealt with your stuff and dealt with that, man, God can't God can allow you to speak into their lives. But here's what happens. God will bring somebody to your life that's been through the same stuff and you'll be able to speak life into them and walk them through the journey. Man, that is the beautiful work of God. The beautiful work of God. I love how God does that. Man, our detours are identity finders. The way of the wilderness always shows you who you are and who you're not. Man, even Jesus, even Jesus went the way of the wilderness. Jesus didn't bypass the wilderness. If anyone could have and should have, it should have been Jesus. But once he got baptized, what happened? All heavens opened up, and the dove came down, and you heard the Father God say, this is my son who I am well pleased. What's that mean? His identity was put right there into him. This is my son who God is well pleased with. And immediately after being baptized, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit led him to the way of the wilderness. Immediately after being baptized, he went to the wilderness. And everything that was spoken about him at baptism, that this is my son who I am well pleased, was being tested in the wilderness. Man, everything that God has spoken over you will be tested in the wilderness. That you're a child of the Most High God. That's going to be tested in the wilderness. Do you believe it? Man, you, you were called and created out of the womb. It's going to be tested in the wilderness. Man, you, you're no longer your old ways. Old things has passed away. Behold, all things become what? New. Guess what? That's going to be tested. Your newness is going to be tested in the wilderness. But guess what? Through the testing, it is an identity finder. It finds you. Let me just go through these quick scriptures of Jesus getting tested in the wilderness and see what it does. And we know the story that the enemy, Satan, came to him and says, if, uh, Matthew 4, 3 through 4 says this, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread, Jesus answered. 
It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from God's mouth. What, what was the lesson in that? What was the lesson? Like? The lesson is, you're not what you do. Man, take this stone and, and turn it into bread. Jesus is like, yeah, I can do that, but that's not who I am. That's not my identity. That's not my identity. So many times I get so consumed by the work of my hands and the work of my job, and it almost, I think someone, that's who I am. But God says, the wilderness will show you. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. You are not what you do. What's another lesson Jesus learned in the wilderness that we can pick up from Jesus' lesson? It's Matthew, same script, same uh, chapter 4, verse 6. says, If you are the Son of God, he says, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in, in, up in their hearts, or no, sorry, in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Could you imagine the spectacle, if Jesus would have did that, if he, if he would have threw himself down from a temple and everyone would have watched Jesus falling and then all of a sudden the, the angels would have came and, and grabbed him. Could you imagine the spectacle that would have been? Man, what is this script verse saying? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am not what people say about me. Man, they have been cheering him on and cheering him on. Is he a God? Is he Beelzebub? And they were doing that anyway. But guess what? He learned in the wilderness that he is not what people say about him. He is what God says about him. So when the Pharisees called him a Beelzebub, it didn't affect them because he knew, I'm not what other people say about me. I'm not what other people say about me. What's another lesson Jesus learned? Verse 8 says, again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and show them all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendors. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to this, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You are not what you have and you're not what you know. Man, it's those lessons in the wilderness that we learn those lessons. And without those lessons, God can't get you ready for your destination. It's the lessons of the wilderness. So we're going to spend the next four weeks and we're going to walk through the Hebrew lights journey and see the lessons that they learned away, on the way and see what we could pull out and what God has for us. The Israelites took 40 years on a 40-day journey because they wouldn't embrace, they wouldn't embrace the detours. They wouldn't recognize the lessons. And they wouldn't carry it to the destination. Don't be so consumed with your purpose or your destination that you overlook the lessons along the journey. I really feel like it's a season of unexpected. And maybe even for some of us, you may feel like you're in a season of the wilderness. But here's what I want you to do. Know that God's going to meet you right where you're at. Know that you're at the right spot at the right time, although it may feel uncommon, although you feel like you're in the, like, how could this ever 
happening. Just know that you're in the right spot at the right time and know that God has got you. God has got you. He's El Shaddai. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Know that God has got you right where you want to. This is not a surprise to God. You are right at the right spot at the right time. And God is going to do a brand new work in you. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for who you are. You are our Abba, God. You are our Father, God. And you know exactly where we need to be at the exact time, God. Even though sometimes we can't even recognize that we're in a wilderness moment, it just feels like nothing's going right and everything's wrong. God, we know that we can look to the hills which comes our help. For our help comes from the Lord. Our help comes from you, O God. And God, here's what we need to know in the wilderness. Although we feel alone and feel isolated, here's what we need to know. God, you are more real. You're more real than the skin on my bones. God, you're more real than the breath that comes out of my lungs, God. That you're more real, God. You're more real. You're more real. That, God, that you are the good, good Father. And you will never guide us astray. So God, just as this song ministers to our heart, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would interrupt our thoughts and interrupt our days and begin to deposit life into us and begin to deposit your word into us from God Most High. God, let our hearts respond to your word today. In Jesus' name.